Hi, this is Louie Anderson, and you're listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Kelly Collette was voted the funniest among her 80 sorority sisters, something she doesn't really think sounds so good now. When you say it out loud, just like, ugh, well, what's the comparison? Sorry, it just no, sounded horrible sounds... when you said it. I'm no, like, why am I bragging about that? Kelly continues to be a stand-up comedian, and she's looking to break into a new career as well. We'll discuss that in a few minutes. We have a song of the week from Kasabian, but first, of course, a dumb bit. Seems like we could do one of these every week, but it's time for another installment of... What kind of nonsense is that? Our president went on a Twitter rampage on Thursday against Morning Joe Scarborough and his co-host slash fiance Mika Brzezinski. Now, no one really knows what caused this tirade, but I think I found the answer in another news story that cropped up later in the day, and I'm surprised a lot of people didn't connect the dots to this. But um, in any case, first of all, let's understand what Morning Joe is. As our friend Jimmy Dore always likes to say, uh, MSNBC is so liberal, it starts its programming day with four hours of conservative talk. Okay, Former conservative congressman from the state of Florida, former GOP congressman Joe Scarborough. So just keep that in mind. So uh, the president uh, calls him Psycho Joe, uh, says all these horrible things about Mika. And people are like, why in the world uh, is he attacking them like this? And as turns out, the Washington Post broke a story and uh, here, uh, Psycho Joe and uh, the awful uh, Mika uh, talk about it, and I think this is what caused the storm. Here's a Washington Post report. Fake covers of Time magazine. He was so needy, he had not been on Time yet, that he made his own. And I'm sure you saw that story that broke Thursday afternoon, that he has these fake Time magazine covers on all of his golf resorts. And to my knowledge, no one has put two and two together that this was the cause of the attack, and I only found it because I was looking for sound of someone saying there are these fake uh, Time magazine covers. And it turns out I pulled up the one with Morning Joe. So there you go. That was the, uh, that's what caused the attack. Uh, I'm fairly certain of it. And then what's even crazier about this, of course, is we all know that the man is, uh, is himself, I guess you could say, a psycho uh, on Twitter. And uh, this is his uh, lovely wife uh, right before the election talking about what she's going to do if she's first lady, what her cause is going to be, as it were. He certainly knows how to shake things up, doesn't he? So I, I played that part because it gets such a huge applause line. And then she continues with her point. We have to find a better way to talk to each other, to disagree with each other to respect each other. We must find better ways to honor and support the basic goodness of our children, especially in social media. Bit of a pause, no applause. They did not like that line at all. Please continue, Madam. It will be one of the main focuses of my work if I'm privileged enough to become your first lady. And I'm sure they're applauding the uh, be your next first lady bit, meaning Trump would become president, which he did, uh, versus the thing about being nice to each other on social media. So anyway, there's um, uh, that's the, the, the first part of... What kind of nonsense is that? 
Next day, he's giving a speech about energy policy, and he tacks this on. It was fake. Don't we love that term, fake? What we've learned about fake over the last little while. Fake news. And people eat it up as if the thing about Time magazine isn't out there all over the place. Goodness gracious. What kind of nonsense is that? Kelly Collette is a stand-up comedian originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and she's still based out of Cincinnati, where we are. Uh, she's looking to break into a new career, which we're going to discuss in a few minutes. I've worked with her before. She's been on Big Telly, including CMT's uh, Their Stand-Up Comedian Contest they held a couple of years ago. And here now is her interview with Kelly Collette. Hi. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? Good. Um... I am um, dog watching a big dog right now, and every once in a while he'll let out a huge wolf. So if you hear something, okay. All not right. me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for the warning. So, um, well, uh, golly, we I know we've worked uh, together a couple of times before at the odd uh, pro, mm-hmm. Pro-Am show, and we did that storytelling show with John Bunyan he used to do at the York Street Cafe. I can't remember what that was called. That was fun. Oh, what was that called? Oh, man. And the, the PA... I, the, the PA broke, and we didn't have it for half the show, and they had to call the guy from home to come out and get it sorted. Yeah. Wasn't there an old, tiny microphone there, too, that was pretty cool looking? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So it was like Speakeasy or something like that. Something, something. like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a lot of fun. It's, it's, uh, I know someone, yeah. did it, someone did it before Bunyan, but then he couldn't get people to show up for it either, so that's a shame yeah so it's, it's a weird room <laughs> it is it is uh, nicer than i thought though but um so you've got a project going on now you're doing a uh now is this every monday or is this every other monday or? first monday of every month first monday oh, of every month even trickier to remember <laughs> oh yeah yeah okay and this is at motr yeah they call it motor motor right okay um and so how did this uh come about how did you come up with the idea for this um, well, I wanted to do a show that would encourage comics to think of something that's not typically in their act, or maybe they've always wanted to put a story in their act or some crazy event, but they haven't really thought about how to do it. So I really wanted to encourage them to either think of an outrageous true story that happened that seems like no one would believe, or to even make a story up that seems believable or outrageous and then let the audience decide. I just thought it would be fun to um, kind of put audience interaction with it without it opening up to heckling or questioning or anything like that. They can, you know, silently mark whether or not they think the story that they just heard was true or false. And at the end, we go through the stories, reveal what they were, and the person who guesses the most correctly will win some prizes. Okay. So, did you always fancy yourself a game show host, or this is kind of... No, I just I just was thinking, like, if I was in the audience, we have so many... Um, yeah, I wouldn't fancy myself a game show host. <laughs> um, I, uh, we have so many open mics. You know, the audience just sits there and enjoys, which is great, which is great. But I thought maybe this would be a new element to get those people who don't go to the regular comedy shows appreciative of the, the comics that we have in Cincinnati. Um, to say, like, wow, these are really great, funny people with really interesting lives and stories to tell. And 
maybe after this, I'll check out another show. Ah, very good. So uh, I know a little bit about you from the fact that we're friends on Facebook. Um, you are from northern. Mm-hmm. You from Northern Kentucky originally? No, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Born and raised. Born. Oh, but you went to NKU. Yeah. Okay. My my daughter, better known. I crossed the. Yes. Yeah, I crossed the I crossed the river. <laughs> well, my uh, my daughter, uh, better known as Fangirl to the podcast listener, uh, also goes to NKU right now. Oh, great! What's yeah. she What's she majoring in? Uh, public relations. That's what I majored in when I went there. Oh, there you go. Well, uh, after yeah, the... if she needs if she needs all the teachers to to take and to avoid, let tell let it, let me know. I'll, I'll let her know. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, actually, speaking of uh, after the interview off the air, I do have a few questions for you. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, but uh, actually, we know a lot of a lot of uh, smart, successful people went to NKU. Our friend Josh Sneed, uh, a bunch oh, yeah. of a bunch of my wife's friends at uh, P and G, and it's weird that it gets this reputation as kind of being a commuter school because it started out that way. But it it really is, it's a mm-hmm. real school now, folks. It's yeah. For, I I feel like it was a real school when I went there. I mean, I lived on campus all four years, and okay. I had a great experience there. And yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was great as far as college goes and, and, you know, being able to walk out of college without any student loans. Um, I mean, that's just kind of set me up yeah. on, a, on a track that I'm, I'm preferred to be on. So we're, I think we're not going to be know, that people lucky knock but... it for being, yeah, I know. Well, people, people knock it for being, you know, a, a cheaper school and, you know, sometimes a transfer school, but yeah. I don't know. I had a great experience there. I loved it. Yeah. I, I like the campus a lot. We, we go there a lot to, you know, see the performances and stuff like that. And, uh, so, um, was your interest in comedy one you've had your whole life, or was it something that kind of came about when you're doing public relations, being in front of an audience, and thinking, "Hey, it might be fun to be funny too"? Oh no, I I, I think I wanted to be a comedian the first time I ever saw Gilda Radner. Oh wow! Um, yeah, um, I used to watch her uh, Gilda Radner herself live special um, on VHS in my basement, and like Lucille Ball was like my idol growing up and so like I always really idolized these funny women and I remember like as early as I don't know third or fourth grade like just trying to make my friends laugh so hard like I was never I never wanted to be like the the pretty girl or the popular girl or like the cheerleader or anything like I just wanted to make my friends laugh and uh yeah I, I just found myself always kind of gravitating towards that and in my sorority in college I was voted uh funniest girl three years in a row um, and that was always fun to be recognized out of a group of like 80 women. They're like, yeah, you're, you're the funny one. Um, wow. so right when I graduated, I was like, you know what, if I don't do it now, I might never try it. And it's just an open mic and it's five minutes. And, you know, it was so nerve wracking at the time, but I was like, I've given speeches before. It'll be fine. And of course, like the minute I, I, I was about to be announced. I couldn't breathe. But <laughs> as soon as you go up to your first open mic and you get that first laugh, it's just like everything kind of falls into place, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this feels amazing!" <laughs> yeah. And so you have a uh, currently have a career concurrent to your stand up comedy career, and um, I've got a lot of side careers. <laughs> so when and, and I know you, I'm tra- watching this dog right now. I'm getting paid to watch this dog <laughs> while I'm working on my laptop for my real job. Okay. So, uh, oh. Well, then, yeah. I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, fan, Fangirl and I have four jobs each, so we're like the, uh, we always yeah. say, we're like the, um, the uh, Jamaican family on In Living Color, if you remember them. How, how many jobs you got, man? 
they're, they're Pokemon. You gotta collect them all. There you you go. gotta get all the jobs. Yep. Um, and speak. I know you travel a lot for one of your jobs. And so, how do you balance your comedy when you go into a different town? Do you like see if there's open mics? Do you contact them ahead of time and say, "Hey, I'd like to do maybe do a guest set"? Because you're you've been on you've been on big telly in a couple of contests, so you're kind of a, a name in that way. So you've you know. Yeah. I, um. I well, I used to travel with my with my previous employer. I had nine states in my territory, and they used to fly me out to D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Um, every three weeks, and so I really got into the scene down there too. I mean, the 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 comedy scene in DC um, is incredible. So many funny comics coming out of there, and I got to meet with them and network with them and be a part of their scene for a really long time, which I loved. Um, now my territory is a little smaller, so I don't get out to the clubs as much as I used to. Um, but getting you know getting getting club work is a little difficult, but yeah, it's still great to be able to travel and network with those other comedians. Have you had a chance to, like, feature much around? Because I know a lot of other people come out of Cincinnati. Is, uh, you know, it's what Tate did and Josh and all yeah. those. So, yeah, I featured at, um, the, I love the Comedy Attic. I featured there. That's a, such a great room. Go Bananas. Um, uh, a Funny Bone I Code headlined with Mickey Winkleman um, a couple months ago. Um, so, yeah, featuring is, uh, is is what I prefer now, yeah. Cool. And uh, you, you you know said you tried stand up because you thought that was the thing, you know, you, you voted funniest girl in your sorority. Was that always kind of the the vehicle <laughs> you sounds horrible. Oh my god. Why? Funniest girl in the sorority is like it, it it's like being when you say it out loud, I just like, ugh, well, what's the comparison? Sorry. That just no, sounded horrible sounds... when you said it. I'm no, like, why not... am I bragging about that? Because that's 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 pretty cool. Like you said it's eighty people and you're the one you know, yeah. it's like being the funniest person at the jar, you know, it's like in high school, our, our, our class clown, I thought for sure would be my friend, uh, Bob Gray, who I was on the radio with. And maybe I had an outside shot. It was not me. And it was this guy that was, um, he was kind of in the popular guy. He was fine. He was amusing, but I was, I read that. I'm like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> he was just probably the most grotesque and obvious funny of he was probably just loudest. I don't know. I mean, I guess he was funny <laughs> among that crowd, and I guess they kind of like uh, yeah. swayed that. But then everybody liked my friend Bob, so I figured, you know, uh, people do not care for my antics, but um, <laughs> they liked Bob just fine. So uh, my question was: is, was uh, was it was there another vehicle for your comedy that you've you've wanted? To, I know you're doing this uh, this game show, of course, but was there any other kind of you know do you fancy yourself ever you know writing a sitcom or a movie oh, or there goes oh, that dog. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Um, another vehicle. Well, I did that play. Um, I wrote that Reservoir Dames with my friend Celeste Full. Um, oh, that's right. produced it and, and put that on last year. And since then, I've been working on this other play. Um, I was hoping to have it finished by um, July so I could have it done in October. But I've been really into the idea of motivational and public speaking lately. And I just really love influencers, and I just really love positive messages, especially ones that are narrated to um, younger women and, and women in college or women just starting out in business who want to take on leadership roles. I feel like I've worked for a lot of different companies. I've worked in a corporate setting. And if I can add some humor into a message that's positive and motivational and uplifting for them to become leaders, that's something that I kind of want to get into. So I'm actually looking into that a little bit. Yeah, I saw you post about that uh, on Facebook the other day. Um, yeah, I was just sending it out in the world. I watched the documentary The Secret, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to post it, <laughs> see what happens. And I actually got a lot of responses from people that are like, you need to do this. That'd be great. Do it. 
Yeah, it is a nice way to crowd. Give yourself a deadline. Yeah, yeah, that's a very important. It, it is a nice way to crowdsource, uh, you know, uh, advice and, and things like that. So people mm-hmm. are kind of down on Facebook a lot, but it does have its its uh, its uses. Mm-hmm. I and, agree. And and so uh, what what are your plans uh, these days? You're doing the show once a month. Uh, are you touring regularly, mm-hmm. or are you just uh, you know you? I, I do tour. Um, I, I, I do, but uh, I take a gig every, every time I'm offered one. Um, I'm really bad about sending out availability or, or asking bookers. As you know, um, to get booked, you kind of have to knock on the door several times a week and say, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here if you need me. Um, and I just um, have kind of gone through different uh, stages where I, I either get really good at that or I just kind of let it fade and I'm at the point now where I'm like, well, if anybody needs me, I'm over <laughs> here. You can ask for me. So I get, I get, I get a show, um, you know, a, a few shows a month that I'm going to be on, and then I've been doing a, a lot of open mic, uh, local ones a little lately, just to work on some new material and source some things out. And yeah, just really promoting the the Truth Serum show has been a big focus. Uh, do you uh, you reckon you might take that other places? Maybe maybe up to Dayton or maybe. Uh, do some other markets with that? Yeah, that would be fun. Um, I've, I've had some of the Dayton comics and Columbus comics express interest. I've had a couple come down to do the show. So I'd love to see if, if they like the format, if they want to host it up there. Um, yeah, maybe maybe take it on the road sometime and take the format and do it at another place. But just working on growing it here and trying to get a reputation first and, and get a name around it. Like, um, did you ever go to um, the Late Late Breakfast? No. What was that? Oh, that's a phenomenal show. Um, Tyler and Danny Moppin put that on, and um, wow, it's it's such a fun show. They blow up these balloons, and you throw a dart at it, and whatever the balloon said inside of it, you have to do. You know, so people are are doing their sets while Skyline Chili is being made in their hands, and um, someone's eating a candy necklace off another comedian while they're telling their <laughs> jokes, and um, mine was, uh, me, me and another comic were given uh, two topics, and we were each given a topic, and we were supposed to write five minutes on that topic to perform at the end of the show. So you have from the beginning of the show to the end of the show to do a set, and then they vote on who wins, and they call that, um, I don't remember what they call that, you, you win the, the something. They put your name on a plaque. And they gave me a topic, and they, they picked the Underground Railroad for mine. And I was like, how the hell am I going to write a joke about the Underground Railroad? And I did. I wrote five minutes on it, and I actually use it in my set now. Um, oh, cool. Because I got such a, I got such a big response. I, I, won, I won the show, and um, they put my name on the plaque, which is really, really cool. And, and, you know, they do that show. They tour it everywhere. They do it at comedy festivals now, and they just got a pilot. They, they screened for it. So oh, wow. they have a fun, really cool show that the audiences, they feel like they're a part of it because they're watching it happen live. It's like watching live TV. It's, it's not like a it's not like an open mic. It's not like a book show. I mean, everything is kind of happening organically. You get a lot of natural laughs just because the situation is being created upon itself. And that's the kind of show I wanted to create, not to rip them off or anything, but I wanted, I, I'm on stage with the comedians and I'm asking them questions so I'm throwing some of my jokes in there too and we're kind of running through these stories together and uh, that's why I like the organic nature of it. It's like this is happening right now. Uh, none of these, you know, side conversations are scripted. You guys are seeing us trying to make this funny as we go along, so that's what I like about it. 
Um, I remember we also uh, used to do the Underbelly show here in town, which now Ryan Singer does. He has a, a version out there in Los Angeles. Isn't it cool? Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They come back every once in a while, and they'll do, like, a reunion show and stuff like that. But I, I think it's so cool to see Underbelly in Los Angeles. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, the name up there. Do you run into any other Cincinnati comics when you're out and about on the road? Because, gosh, they're all over now. Yeah, um, let's see. They are all over. Um, I haven't run into anybody lately, but it, it's really great because, um, like, I, I knew that Dave Waite's friend, Richie, was coming into town and was looking for a show to do, and so I got in contact with him. He's from L.A. He's going to be doing Truth Serum next month. So, like, we still talk every once in a while, and we'll throw comics each other's way, and, um, yeah, so, you know, they're out all doing their own things, which is great. I'm really proud of them, and, yeah, they run around every once in a while. Now back to you saying you're you know working on new material and stuff is when you have for a job uh, like the Jamaican family is that is it <laughs> is it difficult yeah is it difficult to do that or are you, do you have you're doing so many different things that stuff kind of just pops into your head and you know you you think funny things about what you're doing or the situations you're finding yourself in in these variety of roles that you're doing I think that's the beauty of it um it, it's not that I sit down and write and have to take time to it's that. You know, when I'm driving to work appointments or I'm traveling, and my empty, clear headspace is where I write jokes. So on a long drive, like a thought will just pop in my head, and I'll, you know, remember to write it down when I stop real quick or right before I go to sleep. That's kind of my process. I never really sit down with a topic in mind and say, okay, I'm going to do, you know, 30 minutes of free writing and just write stuff, which is what a lot of comics do and why they're probably um, a little bit more dedicated than I am. <laughs> But yeah, so it, it does provide. I mean, I did write a dog a joke about dog sitting recently, and oh, there you go. You know, so <laughs> take from real life. Um, you come up fairly often on the podcast because I ask a question about when you know, you know, knowing when a joke's going to work or, or being disappointed when a joke doesn't work. And I remember you did that uh, the, the steak and shake joke, uh, which you've even. <laughs> And I love that Which joke. Which you reminded me of. Yes. You reminded me of it. Well, I tried it on stage recently because I was like, I did like that joke. Oh, and how did it do this time? It was great. Yeah. Oh, okay. I incorporated it just as like a throwaway line into another joke. You know, okay. like I was like, I know what it's, I, I, I know what it's like to have an important job. Like I used to wear a tie to work every day. You know, just like yeah, some yeah. kind of, you know, I work at Steak and Shake. Um, <laughs> throwaway line like that. And, and, you know, it works. It gets a laugh, so. Well, I remember you did that at a pro-am that I did, uh, and uh, I laughed out loud, genuinely, and it got some chuckles, and I told you after the show, you've, you've got, that was a great joke, and you're like, oh, I haven't done it in a while, maybe I'll add it back to my set, and you wrote me the next, uh, like a couple weeks later, you'd done a show somewhere out of town and said, yeah, I did it, it bombed, and I felt so badly <laughs> for insisting that you do that joke. But it's I, really, it's really weird how different crowds react. Yeah. I used to do this titanic joke in in maryland and everyone loved it and when i did it in cincinnati no one liked it and i was like do we have a different connection to the titanic <laughs> in cincinnati i mean the joke obviously wasn't like more of it about people dying or anything yeah, yeah. it was about the musicians that played at the end and bravery um but yeah it, it like i would get like a applause break in maryland and then i would do it in cincinnati it was like womp womp <laughs> so it's just 
you know, different different ideas for different folks. It's I guess so. You have, to, you have to keep trying, yeah. Yeah, well, I noticed after doing several programs, you know, a lot of the comedians try to encourage each other. Maybe they laugh, you know, a little louder than they should to help the crowd get going, and that and that's fine. But mm-hmm. I noticed the ones I generally laugh at, the other comedians don't laugh at, and neither does anybody in the crowd. So I'm probably a very poor I judge of jokes. Way. Yeah. I love, I always laugh at setups, too, because I think some of the things they set up are so ridiculous. Oh, but I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because be even a good premise. <laughs> if you if you're a good story, yeah, if you're a good storyteller and you can sell the setup, yeah. then that then that's funny too, yeah. So, mm-hmm. everybody's well, holding on to the punchline, and I'm like, oh, this is good. This is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the build up is almost as good as the punchline. Um, well, terrific, man. This has been a lot of fun. I uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your dog walking and other adventures. And um, yeah, and uh, hopefully you can parlay this uh, public speaking thing into some sweet corporate work. Cause, uh, I know, that, wouldn't that be nice? That's, that's, I know a lot of guys that do that, and uh, boy, that's that's the thing, man. They do, just do a couple of club dates a year, and then it's mostly corporate stuff. Kermit Apayo is one. He's a big corporate guy, and uh, he loves it. So I, I really, yeah, I love I, I, the corporate audience. I hope I could appeal to, but I think just women in college, because I know that that was a really, it's a really difficult time transitioning from you know college to being in an organization and dealing with different facets of, of being a woman in business and kind of the, the, um, the issues that you have to go with, with that. And I just kind of want to, want to speak to people. So hopefully I can get this off the ground. That would be really fun. And I think that's something that I'd really like to enjoy, uh, really like to do. Great. Really well, like to enjoy. Well, if, <laughs> if anybody, if anybody's listening out there that wants to, uh, hire a motivational speaker, you, you have a website or should they get hold of you through Facebook or what's her or tweet? You? Uh, yeah. Facebook would be good. I, I, I don't have my website right now. I'd love to work on that too. And um, I speak more eloquently <laughs> when I'm presenting than I do in this phone conversation. Oh, I, I, I didn't realize hopefully people, until now. <laughs> hopefully people, I told this was, this was for the podcast. You said, oh, great. Yes, yes. I, now you just you remembered. Like, We're taping now. <laughs> well, kind of transition. There you go. But it's well, cool. I, I hope I didn't stammer all over my words. No, but, no, you know, you're fine. I, I, um, for the podcast, I'm going to stop the recording now, though, and send them on to the outro and the song of the week, and then I wanted to just discuss a few things about uh, uh, university with you. Yeah, songs. Okay, cool. All right, so I'm going to stop the recording Bye, now. <laughs> Thanks again to Kelly Collette for being on the show. You can catch Kelly, well, I'm not sure where. Again, her website is still under construction, and she's kind of just taking gigs as they come. Uh, so if you want, you can go to Rooftop Comedy, and you can look up her information there. And uh, her website was kellycollette.com. Uh, that currently, like I said, is being reconstructed, so be on the lookout for that to return sometime soon, hopefully. In the meantime, got a lot going on, so we're going to jump right to the song of the week. Song of the week is from Kasabian. And uh, Kasabian, I always forget how much I like Kasabian. They have a new album out. They've been around since uh, 2003. And uh, their new album was released, I believe, uh, just a few weeks ago. Yes, For Crying Out Loud was released a few weeks ago. And uh, they've had a couple of uh, top 40 hits in the UK. Actually, indeed, a couple of top 10s. Again, one of those deals where they haven't even done that well even on the alternative charts here in the U.S. They had uh, Clubfoot and Lost Souls Forever get into the top 40 of the alternative chart. They have never uh, cracked, actually, the uh, regular charts here in the U.S., which is a shame. Again, one of those deals, much bigger in Britain than they are here for some reason, but uh, I think Americans would like them. They're uh, what you call a lads band, they call them over there in Britain, uh, for those of you who understand that reference. Uh, But 
anyway, uh, the uh, current single, well, they actually have a couple of singles out. They released one called You're in Love with a Psycho, which was a head of the album. And now the uh, newest single is called Bless This Acid House. And this is our song of the week. Uh, it's very rocky. It's still alternative. I think you're going to like it. This is Kasabian, Bless This Acid House. P.S. Tape Recorder, so long and thanks for listening. One day it comes and then it gets you. Crashing waves, your feet gets alone.